0: Hi, welcome to I Love Edmonton Real Estate. I'm your host, Jason Scott. I'm a mortgage broker with TMG, The Mortgage Group. And with me today is Nathan Lorenz from Real Broker. Welcome to the show.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here and thanks for having me.
0: Hey, my pleasure. So Nathan, tell me a little bit about your real estate history. How'd you get uh, involved in real estate in Edmonton?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? Originally, I'm actually from BC and I was totally pursuing a whole different career path Right out of high school, I went into computer science and university. And during that time, a couple of years prior to that, I was starting to get a little bit more interested in real estate investing and that whole lifestyle and that whole scene. And during my time at university, I really wasn't enjoying that. And I actually met a realtor while I was in that new city that I was living in, Prince George. And it started to seem lining. And I said, you know what? I might want to just go and jump right on into a real estate career. I can't see myself finishing up this degree. And so that's what I did. I moved to Edmonton. I got myself another job to get things started. But then after that, I since jumped into real estate full time.
0: So, and how long you've been an agent for them?
1: Been an agent for two years now.
0: Okay. So Nathan, you moved to Edmonton. When did you move here, and how have you been finding the market?
1: Absolutely. So I moved here in the spring of 2021. So just you know, basically three years now, and I've been finding the market. Totally has been two different sides, ups and downs. Right when I moved here, we are starting to have that crazy increase in buyers coming in and yeah. multiple offers yeah. and high price escalations. But once I got into an agent and about three months after that, in early 2022, it actually started to slow down. Yeah. And so we went right into the end of 2022 with you know a slower market. And so I experienced you know, a really slow market throughout that time. Once we got into the 2023 here, or sorry, last year now, I guess, it's starting to pick up again. So I feel like I've seen a little bit of a really slow market. I've seen a little more fast pace now. So it's been interesting.
0: I mean, the COVID days were crazy in terms of real estate activity. Bank of Canada, increasing rates really slowed things down. And I suspect we're going to have a good 2024. What are your thoughts on where things are headed?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly where I'm thinking as well, Jason. What I've been seeing um, as well, and you know what, even since the beginning of December 2023, when the fixed rate started to kind of come down a little bit, all of a sudden these buyers started to come out of the woodwork a little bit. And we started getting a lot more showings on the listings. I've seen more buyers come from out of province. That's really picked up for me in the last six months, actually. I have a few BC ones, a few Ontario ones, and they're, a lot of them are mainly investors, but also homeowners who just couldn't afford to be out there. Yep. And they're making that switch A lot
0: of them who have already moved here, but are renting in the meantime. Of course. I mean, so my personal perspective is, yes, there's been a ton of people moving all last year and the year before. There wasn't a a week that went by where I wasn't dealing with someone from out of province. And I think that trend will continue for the very reasons that you've said. People cannot afford to buy in the lower mainland or in southern Ontario. And uh, I guess the Alberta government's come to Alberta ads might have (laughs) worked. Absolutely.
1: I totally think so. And it was just funny, I was doing my monthly market report yesterday. And so the nice thing about doing one for end of December is when we look at the year cumulatively, I can see how much our median home price increased throughout that year, 2023. Mm -hmm. And overall, in the greater Edmonton area, that's just surrounding cities as well, all residential condos, single family homes, duplexes, everything rose by 3.9%. Okay. And, you know, as you know, in 2023, you still had those higher mortgage rates. You know, mortgage rates still kept on increasing. And so with all of that, you know, it wasn't a perfect year by any means. We still saw almost a 4%
0: increase. Contrast that with, say, Toronto, which saw price drops. And yeah, we're doing okay. Of yeah. course, Toronto would have seen insane price increases during COVID. Sure. Edmonton is kind of a steady-as-she-goes market that's essentially been flat since about 2008 seven, eight, like late 2007 yep. kind of thing. So you told me you, you met a realtor in- Prince George, V.C. there. So what was it that made you go, I want to do real estate?
1: A hundred percent. Almost meeting him actually gave me a bit of a life flash, 10, 15 years ahead of time. He was a young dad, had a couple of young kids. He was just what I thought was the greatest thing. He bought himself a brand new massive home. And he seemed, in my opinion, to be living the lifestyle I wanted. With that, he also had a little bit of time flexibility, which I've later learned being a realtor is a total lie. Um, <laughs> right. But it just was a different lifestyle shift than what I was kind of looking for. I always has been the kind of guy that wanted to do my own thing, and you know, especially with my non-traditional way of going through high school, elementary school, doing a lot of self-taught programs, being very self-motivated, actually kind of wanting me to become an entrepreneur or self-employed type of person. And so it just seemed to look directly what I wanted to be at.
0: So So you didn't do the typical sit in a classroom from nine till three o'clock kind of thing?
1: School? Yes and no. There was I did do it at a private school, but I also was very much I was school a lot of those years yeah. and I did a, a lot of online school. Oh okay. And so very self-directed and yeah. you can pretty much control your own hours and you always have your teacher in the background to help you if you ever need it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well then life as a self employed entrepreneur is definitely the way to go then.
1: I would agree and I feel that's kind of what led me here. So
0: Okay, cool. Tell me about your first deal because when you're a new realtor, same with a new mortgage broker, but when you're a new realtor, if there's going to be something crazy that can go wrong with a deal, it's going to be on your first deal for sure. So, did you get bit or was it easy sailing?
1: You know what? It was relatively easy. I've had harder transactions since then. I've also had a way easier So, I would say it's your typical deal, at least where one thing will come up that you think the world's crashing, but overall, it still works out. I think the worst thing that I kind of realized is how stressed a client can become. Yep. And being the fact that my first deal, other than purchasing my own home, which was my first deal, but the first client deal, I didn't really have experience at that time to walk my client through that properly and kind of foresee some of those indicators. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of came on to me at the last minute as they were kind of going through it but you know what i would say that was probably the worst thing where they just didn't feel like they were updated on every single thing that they could have been
0: i mean it, being a mortgage broker probably like being a uh, realtor is a lot of being a psychologist for lack of a better word a lot of stress management in terms of making clients feel comfortable and at yep. ease and you know secure that they're being looked after right 100% so nathan I like to call it tales from the trenches. You get brokers or realtors together and we are trading all sorts of crazy stories. So tell me what's the most outlandish or interesting thing that's happened to you lately.
1: I'm going to reference my last deal here. I did it just before Christmas with a colleague. So myself and my colleague Jody, we actually worked on the deal together, both were listing agents on it. And it was a very interesting deal where the listing, the seller actually had sold the property about 11, 12 years prior to a rent-to-own tenant. And so the title is still in the original owner's name, but then this rent-to-own individual was actually wanting to sell it. And they're all going to exit the deal and put it onto a new buyer. And -hmm. if you're confused already, we were both confused at the same time. Long story short, we listed the property and we're looking for a buyer. We're doing showings. And one day the rent-to-own buyer individual who had been living in the property for you know last decade or so told us that he wanted to buy it and he wasn't going to allow any more showings. And basically, he wanted to call on his rent-to-own contract and put it through where he's now the registered title owner. And so, it was a lot of back and forth for over a month working through that, making sure he qualified. At the same time, he didn't want to, you know, show shown property, so we had to withdraw the listing from MLS system. And there was a lot of, you know, communication where we weren't fully up-to-date through the whole of it because we weren't getting proper responses
0: From From the the, tenant,
1: from the tenant, from the mortgage broker on the other side, the lawyers—it was just a little bit of chaos throughout the entire thing, and a lot of back and forth. Was it going to go through? Was it not? It just—it felt like it came apart and fell apart five times. Like it was. A little bit insane, I feel like. So
0: And was the tenant able to ultimately buy the property?
1: Ultimately, they did. And so, you know, it just was a transaction. This went right through, put this sold sign up, and that was it. And so <laughs> that one is closing here in a couple of days, actually.
0: And that's ironic because on a rent-to-own, you should never have even been involved in it.
1: No, exactly. <laughs> so, we, we never could have been involved, but it's just the insane way it worked.
0: Crazy. I've been doing this for, what, 16 or 17 years now? I have only seen one successful rent own transaction. And that was a skin of the teeth situation, too. So I don't know I'm not a big fan of them personally, but different strokes for different folks, right? So.
1: 100%. And you see that quite a bit more common in the investor world. I do actually work with quite a bit of investor clients probably 40 to 50% of the clients are actually investors. And so I'm familiar with rent-to-owns, but that was definitely the most tricky one they've ever had to look at or deal with.
0: Yeah, I mean not to go into the weeds too much here, but with the rent-to-own, it's got the original contract and the rental option, or sorry, the purchase option of the contract. All of that has to be set up properly in order for the transaction to complete at the end where the tenant takes over the property. And if it's not done properly, you're spinning your wheels okay so what sort of properties then are you seeing right now that investors are interested in
1: great question right now i would say what we're seeing a lot of stuff is in the townhouse and have duplex space between two and three hundred thousand even as low as even 150 i could tell you probably right now three different buy boxes that are big hits in the edmonton area
0: okay let's hear it
1: so I'll go from the lowest price to the highest price. The lowest price is if you're gonna buy all cash, you can actually buy one bedroom condos for about fifty to sixty thousand. If you can get them where the condo fee is right around five hundred. Lower tax areas, you rent that off for about thousand, thousand fifty for the average area, you can cash below five hundred bucks in on that one. And so I've been seeing a few of those popping off whenever I advertise something like that.
0: Okay. And when you say all cash, you mean that there's no financing, no mortgage involved in that?
1: Yeah, at a lower purchase price of fifty to $60,000, it's pretty hard to get a bank to come on. Uh, you would know better on this, but from what I've heard, it's pretty hard to get a bank to come on.
0: There could be a couple of reasons. Number one could be the minimal mortgage amount. And number two could be the size of the condo. So yeah. if it's very small square footage, A lot of lenders will shy away from that. When a person's looking at condos, you're essentially buying into a corporation. The financial health of that corporation becomes critical. And so your lower priced condos are typically going to be condo conversions. Condo conversion is, say, an apartment building that was built in, let's say, the 1960s or 1970s. In the mid 2005 to 2007 period, it was super popular to convert those apartment buildings into condominiums. The health of those corporations is you got to be really careful. You got to be looking at that depending on which unit you're buying. If you need a mortgage, if you don't need a mortgage, hey, you're good to go.
1: And if you don't and you're in a position to put all cash down, there's some pretty good cash flow returns available for something like that. The next one that I'm seeing, I actually personally bought one of these here in the Edmonton area was a town home where your condo fee is no higher than four hundred between the purchase price of about a hundred and twenty thousand to one hundred and sixty thousand.
0: So that's gonna be sort of like the Millwoods area?
1: The Millwoods area, some northeast Edmonton stuff, okay. and some west end stuff. And typically you're to wanna to be needing a three bed, one bath for this to work. Yeah. And the reason for that is cause you can get those rents between fifteen to 17, 1800 bucks, depending on the area.
0: Yeah, that's healthy rents. Historically, townhouses were around, you know, twelve, thirteen hundred 1300
1: dollars. So exactly. And they've come up significantly in the last 12 to 18 months.
0: Yeah. Okay, Nathan. So we've got your low cost condos. We've got your townhouses sort of in the 120 to 150 range for price. What's the third property class?
1: The third one is if you can get yourself a bungalow with a basement suite. Now, It's gonna be pretty much impossible to get one with a legal suite, which you know makes it a little more challenging for financing. But if you can get the financing through just based on the rent as it is, and you have a second kitchen somewhere in the basement, an anti suite or whatever you wanna call it, that will get you some better cash flow than a typical single family property in that price range under three fifty.
0: Under three fifty, right. Now I used to be a landlord as well, or an investor, and I've dealt with those properties. I guess as I've gotten older, I've become more conservative. I personally would go for a legal suite these days yeah. for a whole lot of reasons, mostly to do with safety and liability if something went sideways. So if it's a legal suite, what sort of price point are you looking at these days?
1: You're going to be quite a bit higher than that. You're going to be looking at probably at least low 400s to at least even mid 400s to even consider that.
0: Yeah, okay. And just as a quick sort of summary, to have a legal suite, first, obviously, it needs to be recognized by the city as a legal suite. The windows have to be a minimum size. It's got to have two furnaces. It's got to have, what, hardwired? Hardware, smoke smuggle
1: alarms. you got to have also a proper metal door between the two units. And you also have a, have a certain rating of Jip Rock yeah. on the ceilings for the extra fire resistant code there. I think you add an extra 30 seconds or a minute on that.
0: Yeah. And yeah, believe yeah. What it is so, there. extra drywall, basically. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, long story short, good idea if you're going to buy a home, try to make sure it's legal. And if it's not legal, maybe you seriously want to be uh, thinking about doing renovations to legalize that suite. It pushes up the value of the property. So there's a lot of benefit there. So how are you going about finding these out-of-province buyers, these investors, and how do you service someone when they're in another city? Are they flying in?
1: You know what? A lot of times they aren't. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they aren't. And so I'll kind of give you the three ways that they're working with them. first, I'll answer your first question: Is how am I finding them? For me, social media has been a big thing in the past year. I've been doing a lot of videos, especially those Instagram reels, Facebook reels, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, explaining. You know, everything from being a a home tour to listings that I've done, or just simply give note free real estate advice, market updates anything like that. So that's where I'm finding a lot of those other province buyers as the algorithm's pushing them across the country. Regarding servicing them, it's pretty split up between the way they would like to see the home. I am definitely open and I do a lot of these virtual shows, uh, show tours, where I'm basically hopping on FaceTime call, Zoom call, and I'm going to be putting the exterior camera out. And I'm just walking through the home and I'll be doing like a normal showing explaining everything there's to explain. I'll be a little more careful looking for defects in the home because you know you can't pick that up on camera. Whereas me being in person, that's my job to kind of notice certain things. Oh, there's you know a water damage in that corner there, little things like that. Sometimes I have clients will fly in. I actually have happened that that happened here at the end of the month. A big client of mine's fly in from uh, Vancouver, he's looking at some different properties here. And then the other one would be a lot of times they'll move here rent for a few months or a year, and then slowly start buying. So then it's just like a normal client to that point.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and obviously it makes sense if someone's new to a city that you rent for a little bit to figure out where it is you actually want to live or if you're an investor, where you want to invest in. Yeah. So, So let's flip it around. Let's say you had a family member from Edmonton who was, say, moving to Halifax or some other city out of province. How would you advise them on how to select a realtor to work with?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's a great question. And I think the simplest way that I would be able to break that down is make sure that they are experienced in the type of services that you need from them. And I would break that down into three categories, buying, selling, or investing. Because if you're, you know, doing your buying or selling, and you've never been an investor as a realtor, or you don't help a lot of investor clients, and you come out there and you wanted to invest in, say, Halifax, for example, that realtor is not going to know, a certain amount of information about the investing market, about being a landlord, about certain things to look for in investment properties. Mm-hmm. Until you've been in a boots on the ground, with an investor yourself, or you've worked with a lot of investors and you hear what they're looking for, you may be able to miss over some things to help that person. So that would be the first thing for the investor. Yeah. On the listing agent side, and even this move for the buyer side, pick someone who actually has done that for a portion of time that you know they're experiencing that. The easiest one I can pinpoint is on listings. Anybody can open a door and show a home, but on the listings, it's a little more work required. And what I find is a lot of buyer's agents who don't work with listings as often, they'll get a listing handy to them from an old client or something. And they'll take a couple pictures and put it up. Personally, myself who focuses primarily on listings for investors, that would be my most direct niche. You want to do several things. One of those I say, is professional photos, you want your 360 eye guide tours, you're doing virtual staging if the property is vacant. But for me, I'm a big proponent on social media and online ads. And right, so if I'm going there with a professional photographer, they're doing the whole video shoot. I might do some of my own content for Instagram stories or whatever, and I'm getting it out there to my database. And then I'm running ads against that. That's a whole different story. And then that's where you can know, okay, this person is experienced on the listing side. So if I was to kind of be the background agent, I would really be pushing to select someone, who's been doing that specific niche.
0: And obviously with rental properties, the financials of the property have to make sense. In other words, does the rent versus the expenses generate enough cash flow to generate a decent return on your initial investment?
1: And a lot of agents, unless they're in the investing world, they don't know how to run numbers.
0: Sorry, it's a pretty straightforward formula, but you need to know the formula, so. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Tell me, like, what is a crazy story you've seen lately when you're working?
1: I guess the story I would give you is more of what a news-related one here that we're just talking about is, you know, for example, this time last year, at the end of 2022, about that time here at Edmonton, things had slowed down quite a bit. Nothing was moving. The rates were high. Fear was high. Everything and we've seen, a, you know, a decent pullback, you know, briefly over that six-month period from the middle of 2022 to then 2022 of prices. And it was, you know, in some areas, you know, up to 10%, even just here in Edmonton. And it didn't last long. And then it quickly rebounded in 2023. And that would have been an opportune time if you asked me to buy. And you went know, the lowest price point.
0: Yep, absolutely. You and, buy when everyone's afraid, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And the media didn't report on that whatsoever, that we were having our pullback during that time. And so, you know, once we got into 2023 and prices are still going up back up again and things are high and hot again, I was talking to a few individuals, you know, one who actually owns a few different properties here in Edmonton. I was mentioning, he was asking me about the next market crash. I was like, well, we just kind of seen a pullback. It was 10%. Now we're back up to even. He says, what do you mean? I said, the media wouldn't have told you this, but the market did pull back 10% and you had an opportune time to buy. Now we're back to, you know, quote unquote, all time highs. And that was, you know, in the middle of 2023 when I was having this conversation. And so, you know, this time of year again, back into early January, where things are still relatively slow and not a lot of inventory and, you know, desperate sellers, this might be the time, you know, might not be. But as we go into 2024, especially if rates come down, I'm not sure, but if we're seeing 4% last year, I can only imagine what 2024 is gonna bring for price appreciation and chaos in multiple offers.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be hectic. I mean, what are you seeing in terms of number of sales per month right now?
1: Per month? Well, for December here, this stats just came out, and we we're right around that, I think, 1,300 mark, give or take.
0: Okay, which is pretty healthy for December, for sure. Oh,
1: absolutely. It's, it was still up 25%, give or take, from this time last year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we were twiddling our thumbs this time last year. so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it
1: was a weird time.
0: Yeah. Okay, Nathan, thanks for taking the time today. I really like your focus on investors. Is there anything else that you want to add or give listeners a piece of advice to wrap things up?
1: I think the biggest thing out there, and this is the thing I'm starting to see hurt a lot of buyers and sellers in the last couple of years, is the media is not your friend. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Uh, Build relationships with realtors mortgage brokers like yourself lawyers whatever that is in the space if you're considering buying if you're considering selling it doesn't have to be even right away but sometime in the future you want to build those relationships where they can give you first-hand information into that next spot your next move whatever that is for you because by the time the media gets to it what i've been seeing lately especially in the last year is it's already too late
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. In terms of like what the market is doing, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I used to be in the newspaper business, right? So number one, fear sells. Number two, when you're a reporter, you're expected to know a little bit about a whole bunch of different topics. And you're not an expert on anything. No. Not even close. Right. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Reach out to your team, for lack of a better word, and rely on them for their advice. A hundred percent. Okay. Well, Nathan, thank you very much.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Jason.